Hey, welcome back to the City Rev Life podcast. My name is Roby. This is Rebecca. And we are in a series called Healthy Marriage Conflict. In fact, this is the final episode in this series. Our prayer is that this has been a Mm. blessing to you and uh, that this has brought some skills into your marriage so that even when God walks us through conflict, we can be thriving and he's making us into his image. And so we're wrapping this, this series up with uh, a really important subject mm. and a question that is important for uh, for couples to ask. Tell us what is the final part of this series. Sure. We're going to be just talking today about when to get counseling or when to go back to the counseling room, especially if you've got any form of premarital counseling before you were married, or maybe you've had a season of your life where you've sought godly counsel. Um, and then, you know, maybe it's time to kind of check in again with a therapeutic listening ear, a pastoral ear to get that godly perspective and um, counsel speaking into our lives and our marriages. And let's maybe we can just start with that from a standpoint of, um, you know, it's biblical to get counseling. And yeah. I just say that because I think sometimes there's a stigma associated mm. with counseling yeah. as if uh, I think a lot of times I'm, I'm just going to say it. I think for men, I think a lot of times men see uh, counseling as a sign of weakness. And so um, it's not always the the man, but uh, there's sometimes a stigma for either spouse sure. where it just seems like we can't figure it out. We uh, we're too weak. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. problems and there's a stigma go- with going to a counselor. And I think Man, I think that's a deception of the enemy because the Bible pretty much says the exact opposite. Let me read two Proverbs. We usually highlight one proverb, but for this one, we're going to give you two. (laughs) Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 19.20, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the Mm -hmm. future. It's just wise to gain counsel. And I think a lot of times what couples do is they're getting counsel one way or another, but they're Mm. probably going to untrained counsel. They're maybe going to a friend or someone at work or they're watching a talk show or they're they're on social media or they YouTube something and they just they're wandering around on the Internet or they're going to all these places that are not going to provide wise, godly counsel. When, when it says um, w- with many advisors, it's not talking about just going to any different advisor. In fact, right. there are other proverbs that we could read that talk about going to the right advisor. And so what I think is a real deception of the enemy is mm-hmm. that when couples are at a place where they <laughs> need counsel, They go to almost any place other than the ones that Mm -hmm. are there to help, whether going to a a counselor or going to their pastor or 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 going to a mentor. So um, getting counsel is is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. And Mm -hmm. so um, I think that's it's so important to just start with reframing our view of getting counsel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think. I think our culture has really been able to diffuse some of the stigma. I think we're not quite there yet, but I think um, over the decades, for sure, um, it, that's gotten a lot better as we've learned and gained research and information about how to um, integrate best practices, mm-hmm. well-researched best practices, and equipping ourselves and bringing that into our relationships and our marriage. So I'm encouraged by that, and this is just another encouragement in that direction. Yeah, and there's so many great Christian counselors that yeah. are going to bring that that therapeutic training 
um, and that education, but also a biblical perspective yep. at the same time that can be a, a real blessing. And I know when a couple will come to me as a pastor and they want to get married, they want myself or one of the other pastors on our staff to officiate their wedding. We always require premarital counseling. And uh, I have done premarital counsel counseling. I used to do premarital counseling, but we decided as a team to shift that approach uh, many years ago and direct them to go meet with a licensed, trained Christian counselor mm -hmm. for their premarital. And one of the reasons we do that is because, and I say this to couples, at some point you're going to hit uh, a space in your marriage and in your relationship mm -hmm. where you're going to need to go see a counselor. Mm -hmm. And it's great to already have that relationship established from even before you're married. So you already agree, have agreed upon who you will go to meet, meet with when you get to that point, not if, but when you get to that point. And so, but let's dig into that a little bit more. When are those moments? How do you know as a couple, if this is a moment to go seek counseling? Okay. Well, a lot of times if you see a consistent pattern to how yourself or your spouse are responding to conflict that leaves one or both people feeling very dissatisfied. And we've talked a little bit about the brain. Um, we talked about the stress center and how the stress center really has only three tools in its toolbox. And they're not very effective tools for resolving conflict. They're necessary tools um, for survival skills. There's fight, flight, or freeze. When we've talked about a variety of scenarios, if you were confronted by a bear, uh, you would need to use one of those tools <laughs> to keep yourself safe. Yep. So there's survival instinct tools that we have when that stress center is activated. But that stress center gets hijacked a lot of times in conflict because we feel threatened. We feel unsafe. Um, more of an emotional standpoint as opposed to a physical standpoint. But the reaction, what research shows, what's happening in the brain, it's the same reaction, whether feeling threatened physically or emotionally. It's the same biophysiological oh. reaction. So we got to use that information to our advantage. And when you can tell that your conversations or your fights or you yourself or your spouse are getting caught in one of the one of those three reactions, that's that's a pattern. Pay attention to that. So what does that look like? Things like your freeze response when you feel stuck in that same communication pattern that you can't break out of. And it just feels like this negative feedback loop where you're constantly repeating that kind of having the same argument over and over again. It's like, well, I feel like we've been here before. We, we get stuck here every time and it can be so infuriating and frustrating. I've heard someone define uh, insanity is uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. a very, that's kind of a, a sign that you're in that freeze part of your brain or with that fight, that's easy to identify that fight part of your brain. Possibly one of the the members of the married, one of the spouses is going to be more fight led. Maybe another will be more flight or freeze, but that's easy to tell. Um, if you find yourself getting into that zero to 90 um, re overreaction, a reaction that might be disproportionate to the situation at hand, um, that's another cue that you might be in that part of your brain and you're, you're triggering that fight tool um, that is counterproductive when resolving conflict in marriage. Um, Lastly is when that flight response takes over, and that's going to be those who withdraw in the in the midst of conflict, especially if someone's in the fight mode and someone's in the flight mode, you're going to see someone withdrawing from the fight or withdrawing from the relationship altogether. And so those are kind of the three indicators yeah. that you're in that 
part of your brain that you need a new tool. That's great. Uh, you know, it, I think that's a very easy thing to identify if you're stuck, if you're stuck in a pattern, if mm. you're stuck in and um, you're coming back to the same conversation and you, you just can't get out of that stressful zone that is a you just need a godly trained person to step in and help you get unstuck from that same pattern over and over so number one if you see that consistent pattern you're just stuck in one of these conversations um what would be another one so if there's a consistent trigger if you have those subjects in your marriage that you're like oh i really don't want to talk about finances tonight because it always ends up being a difficult conversation or, or parenting um, struggles that you might be having mm. with with your kids. You know, there are chores, divvying up the chores and the expectations around who's doing what all the time. And the, if you anticipate with a sense of dread or anxiety, bringing up a topic that needs to be addressed in marriage, um, but you consistently tend to walk on eggshells with each other about it or consistently put it off because you're not looking forward to it that's always a indication that that's a, there's a common trigger there's a common denominator in your marriage that um maybe the lord's wanting to kind of press on and um, bring to the surface for for both of you um research shows um that oftentimes in marriage 80 percent of conflict mm. predates the couple So what does that mean? That means a lot of the things that we bring into our marriages, our experiences, our values, our expectations, and nine times out of 10, it's those unconscious expectations Mm -hmm. that we have that aren't always necessarily inherently wrong or bad, but unbeknownst to us, we're placing a heavy yoke of expectations on the other person um, without giving them a full blueprint of where those expectations come from. So that's where that statistic comes from. 80% of those con- of our conflict stems from those experiences that really predate uh, the couple even meeting or knowing mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. I mean, if uh, I think that's a, a, a really surprising and startling statistic, but an important one, if so much of what's causing the tension in a marriage stems from something from childhood or something from a, a past experience or or uh, whatever it may be, um, it's going to take someone with outside input to help a couple work through that. And I think there's there's things like that really with everyone. Um, mm-hmm. With everyone, there's stuff that is in their past that is causing tension in a marriage. So mm-hmm. um, so seeing a consistent pattern, seeing a trigger that's kind of revealing that there's stuff that's not really maybe was started in the marriage, but it's bringing tension in the marriage. Yeah. Um, those two things are good cues that it's time for counseling. Yeah, absolutely. Just getting <clears throat> that godly counsel um, to speak into it. You know, there's an example of of um, a, a couple who went through this and the a counselor was really able to help connect some dots and it made such a profound impact on the way that they approached conflict in in the future. Um, a husband and wife were, were arguing about something and in the middle of the conversation, uh, the husband, to get distance and space, left the home to to just kind of drive around and kind of ignored the the phone calls and the texts from his wife, just to thinking you know he was employing a really good strategy to get um, to get distance. If the wife thought that was a good strategy or that was agreed upon, maybe it would have, but it left the wife feeling um, abandoned and um, alone and confused. Um, 
in her attempts to try and resolve and and get uh, the spouse back. Um, again, not not inherently wrong or evil, but just those misfires. And so through counseling, um, in that time, they were able to discover um, the husband in his um, childhood had an alcohol an alcoholic father that did sober up, but um, at the age of ten. And so in his experiences from 10 on, um, when his father had anger, it was often met with a lot of um, just conflict and dissension in the home. And so the husband, as a way to cope with that, um, in his adolescence and childhood, would use his bike and go flee, go to his friend's house, use eventually his car when he became a driver to get some space, some distance, would sometimes even employ those coping skills to avoid even going home after school. And it was just his way of coping. Well, that is a very age appropriate coping skill for the situation at hand. And so given the context of where he learned that skill, it's an understandable when he was met with anger in his home as a, as a married man, why he used retreating as a coping skill and thinking it was a very valid way to handle his own emotions, handle someone else's own emotions. It's just to get create space and distance. And again, through that experience, they weren't even talking about the conflict at hand. They were talking about how they had that conflict, what it was like for the other person, where that comes from. And that is a classic or a, not a classic, but an, an actual example of how um, something that happened prior to the couple even marrying, mm -hmm. even meeting, predating the couple was brought into the marriage and how it played out in, in conflict for them. Yeah, I think that's a really great case study. And it, it's a reminder as to uh, why counseling yeah. and a couple getting counseling is so important. And in this case, uh, this man had a, an alcoholic father and, you know, it might be more intuitive for someone to say, well, if there was a real, real brokenness in the, in someone's home growing up, I can understand why, why counseling would be necessary. But I think that goes back to that, that statistic is 80% of conflict, whether there was a deep brokenness in that home or not, mm. um, it, there are still things that couples carry into marriage. There's a whole lot of life experience yeah. that couples carry into marriage that it takes someone who's who's trained and is gifted to help a couple work through that so they can continue growing together. Yeah. And so I, I guess if there's one way that we could uh, just encourage you as you're, as we're ending this series is to not be afraid of counseling. And so maybe yeah. one, maybe one way to answer this question, when is a good time to get counseling? If one spouse suggests it, that might be, that there might be enough. Uh, it, I think it would be pretty much a because getting counsel is wise. I mean, we'd get an advisor for our careers. We'd get an advisor for our finances. We'd get a coach professionally. We're talking about our marriage. Why would we not want the best possible advisor speaking directly and coaching us in our, our marriage? If it makes you feel better, call it a, a marriage coach rather than <laughs> getting counseling, you know, but that's essentially what it is. And so if ever a spouse suggests it, I think the other spouse should um, should find a way to to agree with that and, and pursue that together. Um, and and even if even if a couple's not in crisis. Right. right. I think, you know, it, it, what's nice about establishing a relationship with someone with someone when you're not even in crisis, kind of the function of premarital, too, is right. to create that relationship um, because there's no perfect marriage. And there's, it's just nice to have resources and tools 
at your disposal when things come up. And we, we don't know always what the future holds. And so we're kind of planning for, hey, I care enough about what what our marriage is going to look like. Let's put this tool in place for one day when we need it, you know, and there might be a time when it is for you as an individual, but you also as a couple to access that resource. And it's only going to help further you in your, in your marriage along the way. So... Well, um, thank you for joining us for this episode. Maybe we can just close out. I can just pray over you, those of you who are listening, and and we can just pray pray for you and, okay. and pray for your marriage. So let me just uh, close us in prayer, Lord. I just I pray for everyone that is listening to this episode and every single person that has listened to parts of this series. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak into their marriage. I pray that you would do a powerful work in them and through their marriage. And Lord, we ask for healthy marriages. That brings you such mm-hmm. joy and mm-hmm. such delight. We thank you for the gift that is that is marriage. And uh, Lord, I lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at the City Rev Life podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org slash podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.